0: listening to how i sell a podcast built for early career sales professionals you'll hear stories best practices and guidance from top sales leaders on what it takes to become a sales superstar today's episode is made possible by ramped careers ramped is on a mission to build the next generation of workforce ready talent Joining us today is Brendan Roberts, Chief Revenue Officer at TSG. Brendan is a professional baseball player who has made a career switch into sales and has not looked back since. Thank you so much for joining us today, Brendan.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's fun to be here, so I'm excited to dig in.
0: One of the uh, questions that I love asking our guests, um, and sometimes it can be a little bit of an annoying question, but I'll, but I'll ask you anyways. For those that don't know who you are, who is Brandon Roberts?
1: Brandon Roberts, uh, well, Brandon Roberts is a, is now a revenue leader and a, um, a leader developer. So that's what I like to think of myself as, as one of my main jobs is to develop other leaders, other sales professionals, but really the, the, the leaders that lead those sales professionals. Um, so outside of that, I'm a family man. I have three kids and a wife and I live here in California. And I'm also a former uh, professional baseball player, which uh, you know is is gonna stick with me for the rest of my life because of everything that I learned and everything that I went through and all the experiences that I had for those first eight years um, in my early twenties. So, yeah, interesting question, but I guess that's how I answered it.
0: Uh, let's talk about those first those first uh, eight years. So you started out wanting to play professional ball. Looks like that were, instrumental in defining who you were and continue to be today. Where did that spark come from? And I ask that because I'm interested to to hear whether there's a common thread there. Um, Why did you choose professional ball?
1: It's so funny. It is something that I wanted to be since I was a kid. I mean, in the backyard mimicking, you know, the big leaguer, the superstars. My favorite player was King Griffey Jr mimicking his uh his swing and his style you know on the on the little league field and so for some reason i always had a desire and a passion to be a household name and to play at the elite level and to be on a big league a uh, big league ball club and so now nowadays you know you, you really teach that you want to play multiple sports as a kid you want to play football and soccer and baseball and basketball and get the full rounded spectrum of that. And for whatever reason, I only wanted to play baseball all through junior high, all through high school, through college. Um, so it was a little, a, a little different there. But uh, yeah, I just, I always loved the sport for some reason. I loved, uh, I loved everything about it. And so that was my passion.
0: And at no point, uh, did you have any second thoughts? I mean, it's, it, it, it's hard, man. It's, it's very hard. I mean, folks know statistically, the number of folks that can kind of make up uh, make up the chain. I think a lot of folks want to play professional ball, and they do, but very few make it, and uh, it's a lot of hard work. At any point, did you feel like uh, uh, maybe not, maybe not too much work, or uh, you you didn't have that as a concern at all?
1: I never felt like that. I always knew that there was very slim chances, uh, you know, obviously to make it to the major leagues, or to even make it to professional baseball, or to the collegiate level even. You know, you know your chances, um, but there was never a thought of quitting or giving up because really you're in the moment and you're on a team and you're having fun and it's just a fun uh, thing to be a part of and, and to do and to, I don't know, you know, be part of your life. And so, yes, there was times where, uh, you know, when I was in high school and I wasn't necessarily getting the college looks that I thought I was going to get around like, okay, well, where's this going to go? Okay, well, maybe I'll just play in college and I'll get a good education and that'll be it. But you know, so, so there was doubts as, as to how far I can make it because I was a little bit smaller and I was a little skinnier in high school and whatnot. Um, but I never lost the drive to want to play and to want to work hard and to want to improve because not only do you have a sight set on a long-term vision, but you want to be successful in the year that you're playing. Um, so, so when I'm playing like my senior year of high school, for example, I'm not working hard to become a major league baseball player. I'm also working hard so that I can win, win the league, you know, in terms of, uh, of where we were at. So, um, so yeah, I never lost sight of, uh, of working hard and, and being dedicated towards, uh,
0: towards being better there. And so you keep pushing yourself, um, and you make quite a bit of progress and it sounds like halfway through, um, owing to a combination of factors, some of which it looks like, or it sounds like an injury. You had to go through what I call a great reset where, all the effort that you put in, all the success you've seen, the fame, the recognition, got you from A to B, but now you're back at A again. Is that is that a fair way of characterizing it? Is that what happened?
1: Yeah. And I still remember my very last professional baseball game. Um, it was in 2012. It was on Labor Day a Monday. We had a day game. And it's funny, the last day of the season for, uh, for professional baseball players, they, they like speed up the game, Right. You play faster. The pitchers only throw strikes. You swing at the first pitch. You're like trying to get out of there in two hours so everybody can go go with their family. And I remember my last at bat, it was a left handed pitcher throwing a left handed slider and I hit a double off the opposite field wall, which is something that I literally never did in my eight year career because it's the hardest thing to do as a left handed batter. And I still remember that moment. And so anyway, so afterwards, I, I get in my 2001 Chevy Tahoe. And I pack up my truck with everything that I own and I drive 18 hours back from Colorado to California. And I, I knew that I was uh, was done with my career and that was my last day because I had faced injuries and, you know, I knew I was moving forward in my career. And I've, I've never cried so hard in my life because I was giving up the dream that I had and I had fallen short because I was in triple a and i wanted to be in the big leagues and it just wasn't happening over the next court the last couple years and i think when i when i reflect back on that moment that's what drives me now because i look back at my last couple of years of playing baseball and i recognize that i wasn't the first player to show up at the field and work hard and i didn't do extra video you know to to refine my skills and i didn't take extra batting practice and i I thought that I had hit my ceiling in my capabilities and I was just a triple a ball player. And that was as good as I was going to get. And I kind of capped my skill sets. And now that I've learned so much more about growth mindset and practice mindset and continual development and continual application of your skills and development, I just look back and I'm just like, what was going on in my brain? It almost puts a chip on my shoulder and I'm like frustrated at my, my younger self and say, I will never let let an opportunity slip out of my hands again. And so that's what drives me now and why I've been successful in my career after baseball to continually pursue advancement is because I know every single day matters and every single opportunity is, is right here in front of me. And it's just something that I get a little emotional about because it was a childhood dream that I wanted. And I was right there and I was so close in the last couple of years when I reflect on my mindset, I'm just like, my mindset wasn't where it needed to be and i never want to make that same mistake again so i don't know if that's how you wanted me to answer that but no 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 it
0: makes i am i'm actually i'm actually feeling my legs because i i have i have a a bit of a goosebump situation going on here but where does that extreme accountability come from let me put a different spin on it you reached what 98 percent of the population that want to reach could not have reached and your first instinct as you were going back and going through that long drive was to, I don't want to use the word blame because it's a different thing, right? When you blame yourself, there's no there's no remedy. It's, 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 you're angry at yourself and you don't quite have a growth mindset. And yet the only thing that you saw was you held yourself accountable for the outcome of what happened and not anything else, right? But where did that come from, this, this notion of, I'm going to start with myself. I'm not going to start with external situation. I'm not going to look back and say, you know, Hey, you know what? I had a good run. I did better than most other people could have. That's the piece that I'm trying to understand because you make it seem like that's what everybody could and should do. And yet most don't. I'm trying to figure out who who built that value system in you. Was it innate?
1: I don't know, but thinking about external influencers and and other things and blaming and causing excuses, I mean, none of that is is helpful to anything, right? I mean, taking full accountability is, is what's most important and understanding what's in your control, and regardless of the politics of the organization or the position that I was in or the players that I was going up against or the injuries that I had that were arguably out of my control, the truth of the matter is is that I didn't have the best mindset in my last couple of years and I didn't work extra hard and I didn't apply myself like I know I could have and gone over and beyond. And by all means, I wasn't lazy. I was working hard, but I didn't work as hard as I could have. And that is 100% my fault and my accountability. And when you think about me driving away from AAA ball um, and driving for eight hours through deserts and crying because I'm leaving my my career and I'm failing because I didn't make, you know, the goal that I accomplished. It's, it's essentially like hitting 99% of your quota. No sales rep is going to be like, I hit goal. Well, no, you didn't. You hit 99%. You missed goal. That's the definition of a goal. And that's why your multipliers kick in once you get to hundred percent, because that's the goal that you're going for. My goal was to play in the major leagues and I was at 99%. And so that's why I was like, yep, I 100% failed, it's 100% my fault. And guess what? I'm not gonna make that mistake again in these new opportunities that I'm gonna take on with with my career.
0: Well, Um, if anyone had any um, questions about why you've done so well in sales, there's your answer right there. I don't think anything anything more needs to be said. Incredible run-up so far, and you're at this pivotal... How old were you, if you don't mind me asking? Because I, I go through a quarter-life crisis every, every so often. So this is, this is new, right? It requires a reset. How old were you? What was going on? Personal situation? What was the deal?
1: So I, I was drafted when I was 20, um, and that was when I, uh, I hadn't even finished college yet, when I started playing pro ball. So it was, it's a really funny story, because I had to go back every single quarter after a season, and take a quarter of, of school so that I could finish up my degree. And so really this, this eight years of professional baseball was mixed in with finishing my undergrad, as well as doing my MBA online uh, through this period. But I, was, I believe I was 27 when I, when I retired with zero ex- business experience whatsoever. All I had done was play baseball. Um, and the only exception to that was the prior off season I was talking to, I had a, I had a good colleague uh, that ran a part-time SDR team. And so I, 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 that was my first gig in sales was I was training for spring training and I was working on baseball, but then I would go in the office for about four to six hours and I would just blast cold calls over and over and over, just straight up 60 calls a day. Um, so that's how I got my start.
0: Why, why did you take that? Why did you take that job, though? Um, there's other things you could have you could have possibly done. Uh, did you did you ask yourself this question? You said, "I think I could do this." Like, what, talk to me a little more about. And there might not have been any. Maybe you just needed to get paid, and you're like, "Well, available, I'll take it." But I suspect there must have been a little more thought. Maybe. Uh, why did you take it?
1: Yeah. So, I, yeah, it's a good question. I didn't do it. Uh, I didn't do it for the money. I did it for the experience. And so that I could have something else because at that point in my baseball career, I had been, I had had significant injuries for the first, for the two years leading up to that. And I signed a one-year deal. And so I said, okay, I got one more chance, you know, at baseball. Um, and so, you know, I was going into it knowing that, you know, my career could, could have, you know, taken a nosedive after that year. And I was thinking, well, I don't want to just wake up and come to this market with nothing on my resume or no experiences or no skill sets that are applicable to where I wanna go. And when I talked to you know some, some colleagues and mentors in the space, some of them were in medical device sales and whatnot. And they're like, hey, yeah, you know, baseball players or sports usually are successful in sales and that's probably somewhere you could go. And by the way, I did not think I was gonna be in sales when I was in college, I was a kinesiology major. I thought maybe I was gonna be a physical therapist or a whatever. Um, and so that was not even in my mind until later, later towards, you know, like my mid twenties. And I said, okay, well, if I'm going to go into medical device sales, which I thought because I had some peer sets that, that had did that and made some good livings with it, then I need some sort of sales experience. And I had a colleague that offered that just had this really unique role where it was part time and was able to hire me for only five months. I was like, I'm leaving in five months. And going back to spring training are you sure you want to hire me and it's like yep 100 just come in here and just make calls yeah and so it was kind of a perfect part-time short-term experience gig that kind of got my foot in the door for for the sales industry industry yeah. so to speak
0: okay so so no no former real sales experience it's fair to say that you don't have any more more life skills but not technical skills than let's say a early career sdr that was hired right out of college Um, you probably are placed in the same pod how was your first week if you can remember it i mean did you just go in and and, and bang out making 60 calls and, and, and booking meetings or was there a was there a learning curve there what shocked you the most let me ask you a better question when you first went in what were you what was it that said oh holy crap what did i get myself into
1: let me, uh, let me answer it this way. I hated it. <laughs> um, and when, when I think about the, the short stint that I had with the part-time cold calling um, I, I walked in there and I was notably older than everybody else in the room. And I kind of had like, they, they knew that I was a professional baseball player. So it was kind of like this weird situation with like this older guy in the room that, is a baseball player I think or something or what what is he like and it was this group this room of like maybe 40 or 50 people uh, that were either still in college because it's part-time or right out of college and so I hated it and I didn't I was like what in the world am I doing I know nothing about software I know nothing about sales I know nothing about this you know the industry and, and what these these business owners are going through um, and so my first week was pr- was pretty horrible. I was just kind of, all right, this really stinks for lack of a better way to put it. Um, but then I I just saw the leaderboard and the leaderboard was something where I was just like, you know what, I actually want to be the best. <laughs> and it didn't matter that I didn't like it. It didn't matter that I wasn't good at it. It didn't matter that I had to get hung up on every single time that I called because I had no cold call pitch whatsoever and it was horrible and I was awkward and I couldn't, you know, I wasn't smooth talking or anything like that. I was just like, you know, I just wanna be on the top of the leaderboard because I should be on the top of the leaderboard is how I felt. Um, so that's that's what, that's what where I went with that. And then, and then if you fast forward to when I, when my baseball career actually ended and I got a job as a full-time account executive and that was when it was real. Like I am done playing baseball and now I am in SaaS sales and I'm an account executive. Um, it, was, it was a whirlwind for me because I had just retired. Um, and when you play baseball, you wake up at like 11 and then you go to the field at two and you play at seven at night and then you're done at like 10 or 11. And so now I'm in, in a nine to five and I had just gotten married and we had just gotten uh, pregnant And I had just bought my first condo and I was trying to learn everything. So it was just like a complete and utter life 180 from where I was. And it was incredibly difficult. I can't even describe to you how painful those first couple months were learning the complexities of a software, learning how to sell, learning the process, learning how to use a CRM, which may have been the the most difficult part clicking buttons in Salesforce, you know, and I was just losing my, I'm like, am I staring at a screen this long? So it was a very, very big life change and a wake up call for me. And and it was very tough.
0: And, and, and you persisted in the same way you persisted during your first, I call it phase one or innings one um, as a professional baseball player, you persisted. It was a lot of practice looks like from all of the writings that you've done and all of the appearances you've made. Um, it looked like you just kept at it. Is that a good way to describe it?
1: Yeah, and I think I had a slightly different motivator because the first experience I told you I just, you know, I saw the leaderboard and I wanted to, you know, kind of essentially, I don't know, beat beat other people, right? Or like prove that I could could be towards the top of the leaderboard. Fast forward to this role and it was about income, right? Mm-hmm. I had just t- taken on a first mortgage, I had just gotten married, I had a kid coming and I you know, I, what was my, I don't remember my salary exactly. It was probably around 30,000 or something back in the, back in that time. And I'm thinking I have to provide income for my family. And that was my driver. It's like, I am a, I'm a provider for the family. You know, my wife was still kind of uh, getting her degree at the, at, at the time in nursing. And so uh, that was a huge motivator. I was, so I basically said, I cannot fail at this. I have to prove myself. I have to get to a certain level where I can start hitting quota and start earning the money that I'm supposed to earn. Because as a salesperson, that's one of the things, you know, it's risk versus reward, right? You only get, your salary is only half of what you really could be making. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. the other part of it is production and and hitting your sales quotas.
0: And so fast forwarding a little bit, you've done that, you did that well. Uh, clearly you've risen up the ranks and now it seems like you have a different motivator. I, I like how you introduce yourself. You want to create other leaders is that is that your new you know reason for existence uh because i i think you've done the you know you're great at sales you have seen you know you've made you made some money in the the process and and now is that the next level is is helping others achieve similar success
1: yeah that yeah that is a really fun thing to do and so i i don't want to lose sight of you know my number one motivator is still providing income for my family and setting things up for my kid my f3 kids now And a wife and whatnot and so you know that obviously is a huge driver for me just on a personal note but from a professional uh career wise the thing that i've really come into is the fact that when you lead other leaders your your main job is to develop other leaders and to make them the best leaders they possibly can be and not only does that help your organization and your your team and your culture and whatnot elevate and be able to accelerate by having really competent leaders. But it also selfishly helps you because the, the the stronger leaders you have underneath you, you know, kind of, I don't know, you could say the easier your job is or the the more bigger and better things that you can do. And so my, my first experience going from a manager to a director is when I had this major wake up call of, okay, I've been in a position where I, I, I have to uh, focus on developing myself as a manager and as a really good manager. And now I have to focus on developing other people to be good managers. So not only do I have to keep really uh, disciplined on my leadership development, but now I have to pass it down and really create this environment that fosters their growth and development as well. And it's really fun. And and I, I think it's really fun. And I have Friday sessions. I actually just got off of it. Uh, with my people leaders and with my um, sales sales directors, to develop them and to continually create a space where we can be collaborative about this focus towards growth and and development.
0: That's that's really a great way of saying it. I think that's probably one of the missing links in the uh, in the business world today. As in, what is the pathway to create other leaders? We have structured systems in place for everything else, but when when it comes to rising up the ranks. It's a little bit of a figure it out by yourself. And I think some folks can benefit from uh, people that have been there, done that uh, ahead of them, create a structure or create a you know, meaningful pathway for others to learn from whatever it is that you learned from, and in the process, you know, I, I, it sounds like you've, you've probably what hired and, 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 and mentored hundreds of salespeople, if not more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, with all of that hindsight, kind of go back to someone that wants to consider sales as a profession or a career and let's pretend that you know I'm not 33 I'm 21 I've graduated from college I may have heard from my family or a friend who's in sales and say hey you seem like an outgoing guy or hey you seem like you want to make money sales could be good for you but that's all that I know I haven't done an internship I wish more companies did that but they don't and that's a different discussion for another day how would how would I know, or how would a person know that sales is something that they should consider? Is there a set of questions that I can ask myself?
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, I think we can break that out in, in a couple parts. So the first thing that comes to mind is uh, something that I alluded to earlier. So most sales roles in the industry are going to be, Uh, split in their on target earnings as 50% of that is going to be a base salary, which is really stable, stable income. And 50% of that is going to be variable, which means you could earn it or you could not earn it. And so it really goes to this concept of high risk, high reward, right? Because you can jump into your first sales role out of college and potentially be be in a role where if you're overperforming, you're making six figures immediately. You know, you could get a fifty base and a fifty draw, and then or a fifty variable, and then you could be overperforming your quota, and you can make over a hundred thousand dollars. So the reward is is there, um, but the risk is there because sales is probably the most, uh, the biggest industry where it's easy to evaluate whether or not you're performing or not. And so if you are, like every single month, you have a percentage that is very clear as to what you are contributing and what the outcome is. If you're a business analyst or if you're in FPNA, I mean, it's really kind of, it's really harder to say like, well, how did you do the last month? Uh, okay, you worked on projects or you did, you know, whatever, but it's really crystal clear in sales. And typically what you see is, all right, well, if you don't achieve a certain amount, we start having hard conversations, which will add pressure to your life if you're not performing. So high risk, high reward, high risk is, all right, well, if you're not putting in the work and not learning how to do this right and, and getting to the right outcomes, it's going to be stressful. And if you do, and if you learn how to be a top performer and you're over quota, then it's got big rewards. Mm-hmm. So so I, I would say it's um, the answer is twofold. Number one, you're, you're, you do want to make a higher income you know, coming out of the gate. And so that's attracting you to sales, um, but also you're brave. And you're up for a challenge and you're not afraid to be in a position where, all right, whatever, the pressure is on and I'm going to have to go through some pressure or potentially I get fired from a job and I have to be okay with that because maybe that wasn't the right fit. And I can go find another job. And that's another mindset that a lot of people have to make sure that they're in of, you know, a little bit less stability and more potential for, um, you know, some higher
0: income. Do you think folks, from your experience, folks that are out of college that come in, take take these jobs, do you think that they understand this? They probably know of this, but do you think they understand it?
1: It's so funny because I, I just recently was asked to be this, uh, this sales judge for a local university that's going through, a, has like a sales program, a sales uh, club, and they're prepping for this broader national uh, competition, and we have to select some winners, and so I'm going through some some 10, 15 minute pitches with them. And it's interesting when I debrief, you know, and give them feedback on the pitch and how they handled objections and how they, you know, opened the call and created some rapport or whatnot. Uh, This one uh, girl yesterday, she's just like, I 100% know that I want to do sales in my career. And I was thinking, man, I had no clue what I wanted to do (laughs) in my career when I was your age. And so, it, it is really interesting to see that that just that spectrum of, for whatever reason, some professionals are in college and they know exactly that they want to be in SaaS software sales, or they even have an internship or a job lined up. And then you have the other end of the spectrum, which I would put myself in, where you have no clue. You, have, you literally have no clue what you're going to do with your life. And I think that is totally fine. And when you jump into sales, it's probably the easiest one to jump into and then realize that maybe you don't like it and you go somewhere else because as much as people don't like to admit this everyone sells no matter what you're influencing someone to change is essentially what sales is you're helping them you know and influencing them to make a a better decision and so let's say you're a business analyst or i don't know whatever role you want to call like you still have to work with people and colleagues and sell either your team or your manager or people in other departments um, in terms of the projects that you're rolling and whatnot. So the experience that you'll get if you start in sales and determine that it's not for you and you want to go somewhere else is going to carry with you and you're going to learn a lot. And I promise you that.
0: Mm-hmm. So one of, the, one of the things that folks can ask themselves is what is my threshold for risk reward, right? What is my tolerance for risk reward? If you have absolutely no tolerance for risk, I don't know if sales is for you unless you're some natural born salesperson, which uh, I don't know how you'll be. So that's one. Uh, anything else that you can ask yourself?
1: Uh, the other thing that jumps out is just the, the grind, right? The, the repetition and the hard work and um, the commitment or conviction towards, you know, being successful is, is something that really would stand out. If you feel as though you, you want to kind of limit your hours, and I'm not proposing anybody against work-life balance, you got to have your your balance. But when push comes to shove, are you going to be able to do the extra prospecting to take a call later in the evening to, you know, go over and beyond? And when that pressure hits, maybe you miss quota for a month. Are you able to elevate yourself and be more productive and be more focused and be more, um, you know, uh, I guess, I guess focused on hitting that target, whether that means throwing some extra hours or knocking some things out of your schedule or really focused on prioritizing the right accounts that you go for. And so, really, the the grind and the dedication and the commitment towards you know being successful is one thing that you really have to evaluate whether or not you have um, you know within yourself or not as you're as you're pursuing sales.
0: Interesting. Same question as the first time. Do you think the folks that are coming out of a college or taking their first sales job have an understanding of the grind? Do you think they understand the activities involved? Um, or is that still a bit of a, a bit of a mystery that you only get hit in the face with it when you start the job?
1: I would say no, unless they have an inside colleague that is in a role that they can pick their brains on. And the only reason I'm saying no is because I didn't have a clue when I started and I was whatever, 26, 27. Um, and I think that yes, we can talk about things that we're talking about today but there's so much more around all right. Are you prepared to be nine hours a day in a CRM, logging tasks and sending emails and sending the same type of emails and reading off of a script potentially with your cold calls and you know having people hang up on you or say mean things to you and having to bounce back you know really quickly, otherwise you'll you'll lose your productivity. Um, dealing with uh, pressure of management and having to adopt a process and uh, having to learn. Really complex softwares in some cases, and understand you know what they do. So, I think the answer, I mean, in my opinion, is is they probably don't have a full picture of what that looks like when they get into it until they jump in there. Um, so, the, the more people like yourself can educate around what that looks like and how to be prepared, uh, I think the better off they'll be.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's it's funny because one of the one of the challenges I don't call it a challenge. It's a good, it's a good challenge. It's to strike that balance in between being pragmatic about what the role involves but also being motivational about the potential upside because it's there right you just have to strike a balance if you say hey this is going to be a grind whatever you thought of sales as this you know sexy feel sales where you go out for dinners and drinks yeah maybe once in a while but probably not as an SDR BDR somewhere you ain't having drinks with anyone for a while Um, that comes like a lot later and even then those are not the type of interactions that quite honestly lead to a sale people have this notion of relationship sales that i'm trying to kind of educate in the market that i i really don't know if it works at scale man i mean maybe you'll get a customer too but you know it's necessary it's essential to be personable and all of that jazz but uh but to your point lots of activities really good really good feedback there i think asking those two questions alone will give you a bit of a better understanding of your own self because i don't think we do enough reflection um At a young age it all happens like later on for heck i didn't start reflect my first job out of college was cpa probably the worst job for me um (laughs) i took a i took a disc uh you know disc disc uh you know the 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 test the personality assessment test and my compliance the c is so low brandon it's like it's just like tiny (laughs) bit beyond the baseline and this might shock you but i'm a cpa and i'm also a lawyer by training probably the worst things to do for someone that simply has no compliance. I mean, I'd be in jail if I practice as a lawyer or because I just That's don't. Uh, but we don't do enough self-reflection, right? I mean, I just did it because I was like, oh, it sounds hard. It sounds like something I should do. I like I like some lay prestige that comes with it. And don't get me wrong. There's things that I learned in the process. But what I'm hoping to do for sales and for other careers as well is this exactly this discussion right? and talk about pros and cons and you know what the job actually entails. Uh, and I think, and I'll ask that's okay. you. I think that's
1: okay, right? And I think that, that when you're out of your comfort zone or your natural comfort zone, you often learn more. And it reminds me of, you know, my career journey up through this point, there was a point where I was, you know, heading up operations, you know, and, and that was harder for me, because it was challenging me to really think operationally and about systems and about process and really you know, I, I think I guess from an innate perspective, I'm more about people management and driving towards goals and and sales related. But but like that experience got me out of my comfort zone and, and shaped so many skill sets and so many experiences that I would that I can use. And I bet you can say the exact same thing. You know, that like learning how to be a lawyer, learning how to be a CEO, like you're going to use like maybe you've moved away from that now, but you're going to use some of that stuff, and that's okay because you have a little bit. More of a well-rounded kind of experience set that you can bring to the table, you know, as you as you continue your journey.
0: Well, I, I think it's a fair point. I, I can also be very irritating when uh, when I'm having uh, you know it, arguments and healthy debates with my wife. So uh, it definitely definitely helps me there. <laughs> very persistent and uh, very irritating. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you know, I'll, I'll ask a, a last line of questions and then I'll, I'll be respectful of your time. Um, when, when, you, uh, when you start the job, one of the challenges that we're seeing in sales and tech sales in particular, followed by financial services sales, attrition is a huge problem. Uh, it looks like year one, year two attrition is north of 35%, like one in three people either are fired or quit. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out if we can somehow reduce that. Um, what are the things that you could or should be doing early on in the initial few months, if you do ask yourself these questions, say, yes, 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 I'm excited, this is me, risk reward, check, grind, check, you get a job. What can I do to maximize my chances of succeeding?
1: Yeah, so first of all, I'll answer your question in a different way because I I agree that there is an attrition issue in the industry. And as a, a person that owns the full revenue function in the org now in my role, I, I take ownership of that. And I think that part of the problem is this is the, uh, the way that we set new salespeople up for success. Like, do we have them equipped to achieve success with the process that we're giving, with the playbook that we're gonna put right in front of them to say, this is how you become successful with um, effective or intelligent quota setting so that expectations are not crazy out, out the door because most reps are leaving because they're underpaid but underpaid, really, in the in the when you when you dig down, is just that they're missing quota, and so they're not hitting what the, the on target earnings that they've signed up for, right? Mm-hmm. So, in a nutshell, they're not set up for success. So I'll I'll take ownership from that side of it. Is like, well, we as leaders need to make sure that they are set up for success when they walk in the door, and that's something that I'm uh, constantly challenged with. From an individual perspective, uh, when a, when a new salesperson jumps in, I think the number one thing that needs to be done is to drop the ego. Any ego you have whatsoever, whether you're a brand new sales rep, whether you've got 20 years of experience, just make it hit the floor now, day one, drop the ego. You are a baby, you are a rookie, you are a newbie, learn. And and the reason you do that is because you immediately frame yourself in a position where you have to learn, you want to learn, you recognize that you need to learn, and you turn into a sponge and you just say, okay, I am in a new spot, teach me everything and I will change everything that I've known in the past. And I'm willing to adopt certain things and certain methodologies and whatnot. Um, So that's step number one, drop your ego immediately. Number two is to go find the people that have already paved the the path for success. I mean, it's, it's weird. How many salespeople will jump into an organization and be afraid to go talk to the number one, two, three, four, five reps on the leaderboard. They don't even want it. They they feel like it's this mysterious, you know, people over here that have this secret sauce and they don't go to like, I mean, go buy them lunch, go buy them coffee, go buy, like figure out how to pick their brain. And the reason for that isn't necessarily that you're going to copy or replicate everything they're doing, because that is very dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's to just understand what they're doing and starting to pick and learn and and see what types of things they're focused on because they're going to have strengths and weaknesses as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you really just got to pick out the the strengths there. Um, And then the the last one, which goes kind of hand in hand, is really just continually um, commit yourself to not only continual development and continual learning, but to practice. And those are different and I'll explain them. So continual development and continual learning is acquiring new skill sets. So that's where you go through your sales training program or you learn new things or new tips and trips or strategies or methodologies and whatnot. But then that has to be followed up with practice, which is repetition, repetition of what you're learning and evaluation of, of how you're doing it and then um, adaptation of making it better. So I think of practice because obviously I played baseball and guess what? I took hundreds of thousands of swings in my career, the same exact swing. All I did was go like this, you know, it's the same exact thing, but I practice it so much because you have to refine it and perfect it. So the, the continual development is like, okay, let's learn how to uh, handle this objection. Cool. All right. That's some, some new, new skill set that I learned and that's continual development where practice comes in is, Let me nail this objection handling, you know, pitch. Let me say it over and over and over. Let me practice it on a weekly basis so that when it comes It's almost like I love that I got that objection because I've practiced this so much and I'm just nailing it now. So those two things. And that's the difference. The way I see those uh, those two and, and what I think you need to focus on to be successful.
0: That's, that's uh, an incredibly helpful feedback, uh, for folks. And I'm sure that people would, would appreciate it. One of the things that I don't know if people know, when you said that you've practiced swinging a bat, about how many times, 10,000 times, I watched a video recently and, uh, one of the things that I didn't know, but I learned is, you know, I guess there's so you, you have about 150 milliseconds to, to make a decision on, uh, on, on the ball. And that's faster than the blink of an eyelid. That is nuts to me that you had to make the decision 10,000 times. You probably already know this, but it just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. That's so fast and people are getting faster. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, but again,
1: that, yeah, you have to, you definitely have to guess. And the other thing that's funny about baseball is you have to, you have to pick up the spin of the laces on the ball during that period of time as well, because if it's spinning this way, it's going to fall out of the strike zone. If it is spinning this way, it's going to come straight. So it's a, yeah, it's a little nuts.
0: That's crazy, man. I can barely see the ball. You're talking about seeing the spin on the ball. That's crazy. Uh, this is this is great, uh, Brandon. Thank you so much for uh, for some thoughtful guidance and feedback. I, you know, one of the things that I appreciated the most uh, about what you said when I asked you how can you position yourself for success in the job is again coming to the same theme of taking this kind of extreme ownership as you started with you. You said, "What is it that I can do as a leader to?" ensure that folks have the a good deck of cards that I've dealt so that they can actually be successful. Uh, I will control what I can and then folks can, you know, people that are doing the job can control what they can. This is incredibly great. Uh, again, thank you so much for, uh, for for joining us today.
1: I loved it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Have a good one. You too.